Hello? Anybody home? Today, I want you to open your mind. I've almost come to the conclusion that the story is so damning that the mass of people can't deal with it. We are in process of developing a whole series of techniques to get people actually to love their servitude. We face a hostile ideology, global in scope, atheistic in character, ruthless in purpose and insidious in method. For we are opposed around the world by a monolithic and ruthless conspiracy that relies primarily on covet means for expanding its sphere of influence. To change the minds and the attitudes and the beliefs of the people of the world, especially the United States, to bring about one world socialist totalitarian government. The potential for the disastrous rise of misplaced power exists and will persist. It has patterned itself after every dictator who has ever planted the ripping imprint of a boot on the pages of history since the beginning of time. Brutes have risen to power, but they lie. Dictators free themselves, but they enslave the people. If you can get people to consent to the state of affairs in which they are living, then you have a much more easily controllable society than you would if you were relying only on clubs and firing squads and concentration camps. Tools of conquest do not necessarily come with bombs and explosions and fallout. There are weapons that are simply thoughts, attitudes, prejudices, to be found only in the minds of men. As you connect the dots between different people, organizations, places, religions, history, suddenly the picture starts to form. If you don't connect the dots, it's just a mass of what's all this about. The kingdom of God is within man, not one man, nor a group of men, but in all men, in you, you the people have the power to make this life free and beautiful, to make this life a wonderful adventure. Someone born in the United States is not more special than someone born in Mexico. Someone who is white is not more special than someone who is black. They're just vehicles for the consciousness to experience. War is peace. Freedom is slavery. Ignorance is strength. They do not want your children to be educated. They do not want you to think too much. It was learned that the aliens had been and were then manipulating masses of people through secret societies, witchcraft, magic, the occult, and religion. They reach into our children in music, television, books. Prey on children's innocence. How can I disprove lies that are stamped with an official seal? So if you have the opportunity to stand next to one of these machines, it feels like an altar to an alien god. Genetic power is the most awesome force the planet's ever seen, but you wield it like a kid that's found his dad's gun. The Army Air Forces has announced that a flying disc is now in the possession of the Army. Too many others know what's happening out there, and no one, no government agency has jurisdiction over the truth. Any state, any entity, any ideology that fails to recognize the worth, the dignity, the rights of man. That state is obsolete. A case to be filed under M for Mankind in the Twilight Zone. It's about time some of you got acquainted with the real hard truth. It's the heart that says, I will not acquiesce. Across the gulf of space, intellects, vast and cool and unsympathetic, regarded our planet with envious eyes. Each of us, when separated, is always looking for our other half. And the desire and the pursuit of the whole is called love. Heart perception will change everything. Freedom is the privilege to be right. Freedom from the disasters of our mistakes.
Broadcasting from the Sonoran Desert, I'm your host Ryan Gable, and you are listening to The Secret Teachings Radio, airing five nights a week, Monday through Friday, on Ground Zero Radio, right after Clyde Lewis and Ground Zero. Also, the Aftermath FM Ground Zero application you can download for free. And if you go to any radio or podcast player, you can search The Secret Teachings and listen to the show after it airs. If you'd like to get rid of the annoying advertisements, however, you can subscribe to the full archive with private RSS feed, my books, and our montage archive at www.thesecretteachings.info. If you'd like to contact the show, rdgable at yahoo.com and tstradio at protonmail.com. It is Monday, November 21st, 2022, Thanksgiving week here on The Secret Teachings. Of course, we have our Black Friday special, $40 donations, and you get a whole year subscription to the show with everything that I just mentioned, including all of my books. That's only $40 through PayPal or through the Cash app. You can find that information again on our website. Every Thanksgiving... We talk a little bit about the origins of not only Thanksgiving, but what exactly is a Thanksgiving? What exactly is the purpose of feasting? Why do we get together with family? Why do we have this abundance of food? And why is it that uh, we eat until we can't eat anymore and then we unbutton our pants and then we watch football or pass out on the couch? Why do we do these things? Why do we have these traditions? Obviously, if you're listening somewhere else in the world, you don't have Thanksgiving the same way that we have Thanksgiving here in the States. And that's why I like to look at the origin of the giving of thanks and the origin of feasting in general, because it applies to everybody, regardless if you're listening in Australia or if you're listening in South America or if you're listening somewhere in the Middle East. I know we have listeners all over the world. And I think that it's fascinating to learn that our Thanksgiving, our federal holiday here in the United States, is not the only Thanksgiving. Uh, Thanksgiving as an idea is something people have been doing for, well, probably at least since there was agriculture. And probably even before that. I mean, I guess it depends on if you define Thanksgiving as a feast time or if you define it just as a giving of thanks uh, if it's just a giving of thanks that has nothing to do with feasting or agriculture, then humans have been giving thanks to nature and have been giving thanks to perhaps the goddess of the forest or the goddess of hunting, uh, have been given thanks to the gods since time began, since human civilization arose in any capacity, anywhere in the world, anywhere in history. And giving thanks is a lot more than just saying thanksgiving. And it's a lot more than just having your friends and your family. And it's a lot more than your pies or your turkeys or some people have hams or a lot more than your veggie tray, obviously. And as Americans in particular, I think it's important for us to recognize, and I've been talking about this the last two shows. I talked about this Friday a little bit and I talked about it Thursday when we talked about the protests in Iran. And that is, as Americans, and I think that, I hope that you can obtain a a positive perspective on this if you don't live in the United States. You look at a country like Iran, and you look at the enforcement of the dress code on women, and we looked at the origin 
of the reason why women wear those headscarves and sometimes cover their entire bodies. It has to do with dignity. It's not entirely about oppression and how those Iranian women have a right to burn those headscarves and to protest against the government. We can see where both the protesters and the government are coming from. We saw the disinformation from Justin Trudeau in the U.S. about them in Iran sentencing thousands of people to death. That was all a lie, I think, to discredit and to demean and to degrade Iran and and its people uh, as a country and as a culture. Uh, They've only sentenced a few people to death, and that's because they were doing really nasty things, including attacking other protesters, which shouldn't have anything to do with protesting because a girl uh, was killed over not wearing her her headscarf. So we can understand both sides, hopefully, of that situation. We can also understand the hypocrisy of Iran being the country with the second largest record of executions of its citizens. China's number one, and yet the West doesn't seem to want to condemn China. And I asked a lot of questions on Thursday and Friday last week. I asked, why is it that American women in particular who drink expensive coffees and have a nice car, or they don't always have to have a nice car and drink expensive coffee, but you know, you've got a car, you've got some place to live, you've got nice clothes, you go to a major university or even a small university, you're paying thousands of dollars a semester, and you're telling the rest of the world that you have no rights as an American because you can't get an abortion on demand not just an abortion, but an abortion on demand, meaning an abortion up to the point of birth and perhaps in some cases even after. So you need to look at the world and you need to look at your situation. I think I can tell women this directly as a man. You need to recognize your situation in the world, your place in the world and where you are. You are in a very small percentage of the world with privilege of being able to go to college with privilege of being able to live in the United States. And especially if you live in a state like Arizona, which has been a lot more free than a state like California or New York, you need to recognize the context of the situation. And men, likewise, men need to recognize the context of their situation. It might not be so much about abortion, but you know, let's, let's say go, go back to what the CDC recommended Uh, the last couple of years, as per family get-togethers, the first family get-together in 2020, my God, they said, don't get together. Don't have your friends over. Don't have your family over. Don't share food. Don't have drinks. Don't talk to people. Don't even, in some places, don't even sing. Don't sing. Just don't open your mouth because COVID's going to fly out. And you think about how people believe that. And some people didn't get to Maybe have that last Thanksgiving with a grandma or a grandpa or an aunt or a mom or a dad. And how sick and how distorted and how twisted and how evil it was for the Centers for Disease Control, having at the time, and yet still, never isolated the virus and proved that it caused disease, tell people not to see their family, not to get together, things that are healthy for people and for communities and for a culture, especially very very significant established dates, not just seeing your family, but a Thanksgiving celebration or a Christmas celebration. And the CDC told us those things, and we're still being told these things. I looked it up this morning to see what the CDC recommendations were. I read something from Stanford University 
Uh, I read something from the San Francisco Chronicle about health experts or COVID experts uh, telling us what we should and shouldn't do for Thanksgiving. And I don't think anybody cares. I don't think anybody gives a damn now. Uh, A few religious zealots and that's about it. But the point is, despite all that, I still have to put my experience as an American into perspective. You know, I resisted masks. I resisted vaccines. I've I've still not been sick in the last 10 years. I've yet to be sick one time in the last 10 years once I got really healthy. Uh, now that I've stopped eating wheat, uh, any I used to have like a heart uh, flutter on occasion. That's gone away that I stopped eating wheat. Like I'm very healthy. I've never taken a vaccine. I don't go see doctors. I'm very healthy. Some people have situations they need to do that. I completely understand. What what I'm saying is I need to recognize as a person that I have it really good here in America, and I'm very thankful for that. Even if someone's trying to force me to put a mask on, it's nothing like Iran, and it's nothing like China, and it's nothing like North Korea. And I can appreciate that. I can honor that. I can respect that. And furthermore, I can believe those things. I can see those things. I can recognize those things. I can acknowledge those things without allowing myself to become complacent about it. In other words, I can get upset and I can resist someone trying to put a piece of cloth over my face and telling me not to see friends or family for Thanksgiving. And I can still see that I have it really good here in America. But the context is and the situation is if I don't resist those things and I don't point out how absurd they are and I don't laugh at them, then they're, they're going to erode the privilege that I have as an American. They're going to erode the context between America and places like China so that we slowly slip into a more truly oppressive state where you don't have an ability to use the law to your advantage. You don't have a rule of law that benefits you. It benefits the state. And you don't have an ability to resist at all. You'll just be killed or you'll be sent to a gulag. So I can recognize that. And that's what I'm really thankful for. I'm thankful for America. I'm thankful for being in America. And I think men and women alike should recognize the context of your situation. And I think that especially here, late night radio, here on Aftermath, Ground Zero Dot Radio, we are a special breed and we don't really fit into the mainstream or the alternative. And we should recognize that we are in a niche of thought, generally speaking. And as we exist in this niche thought, this niche area, this niche arena, I think we need to recognize that um, we have an ability to think not just outside the mainstream. We have an ability to think outside of the alternative And this is layers upon layers of free thought that we don't get in other countries because of how oppressive the regimes are. So you should be thankful for that. You should be appreciative of that. Now, if you already saw my promo tonight, and if you saw maybe um, you saw what I threw up on Twitter for tonight's show, uh, you'll know that the show tonight is going to take a slight turn now. and, And I usually don't state what where the segue is but I, I want to I want to stop and I want to sort of shift gears um, I woke up in the middle of the night Saturday and I thought of a show name for Friday I thought uh, something to do with Thanksgiving turkey birds and I thought you know what would be a really good show is if we discussed 
the context uh, that is Twitter in relation to Thanksgiving. At the Twitter company, before Elon Musk bought it, you have people that are making a lot of money, people that get to act as the censors, get to act as the arbiters of information. They get to censor, they get to shadow ban, they get to block, they get to cancel anybody they don't like. And the biggest social media platform in the world exercises an immense amount of control over information. They are the arbiters of what is considered true and what is not considered true, what is fact and what is fiction. No matter how documented your fact is and no matter how outrageous your fiction is, they get to determine what is real and what is not real. That is until Elon Musk bought the company. Now, I am not a fan of Elon Musk myself. I don't know if I can trust Elon Musk. My opinion is Elon Musk is only buying Twitter and only, well, he has purchased Twitter and only attempting to make it a freer platform because, and maybe he does truly believe in free speech. Maybe he does. My intuition sort of leans in that direction. But I think he wants the data. I think he wants the information. I think he wants people on a global level interacting on this platform, real-time communication, and well, little bites and bits of data. And that creates these digital avatars, and it basically creates a, a uniform platform of real-time data that can be plugged into artificial intelligence, which can be feeding the AI, uh, feeding that AI, and then that can be plugged into his Optimus robot. Now, the reason I think that is, I did a little digging, and I did a show on this months ago when Musk was announcing he was going to buy Twitter. On April 21st of this year, Tesla announced the Optimus robot with the updated AI that Musk said would be ready Pretty soon, within a couple of months. On April 24th, Musk confirmed that Neuralink, his other company, would bring human, uh, begin human trials. They'd bring human trials uh, into uh, the research sometime later this year. And then on the 25th, the day of Twitter's original official sale, Starlink went active with a major airline. So you had a lot of things happening. You had the Optimus robot ready. You had Neuralink they announced that it was going to be going into human trials, and then they've got Starlink that goes active. This is all the week that Musk said, yeah, I'm going to get Twitter, and we're going to get you know in there and see what's going on. And then meanwhile, nobody has reported this. Optimus Robot is ready, Neuralink is ready, and Starlink is ready. And all those things run on what? They run on information. They run on hardwired uh, and non-hardwired data. And I think that's why Elon Musk bought Twitter. He wants the information, but he also truly might believe in free speech. Either way, I find it at the very least very interesting. And I was thinking uh, of all the things that he's done at Twitter, Twitter is a really great example of the ungratefulness, the, the, the lack of context, the lack of perspect, the arrogance, the conceit, the, 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 the pissy attitude, the, the babies that exist in our society. You work at a platform that is literally controlling the conversation globally. 
you work at a platform that gets to decide what is true and what is not true. That's not how it should be, but that's what they've turned Twitter into. You work at a platform where your lunch is free, where you can work from home in your underwear. You can come into work barely dressed at all, from what I've read, like just sandals and a pair of shorts and a t-shirt like you're going to the beach. There's a virtually zero professionality. You go into work and you work a few hours a day. You have, you know, the equivalent of uh, hot chocolate therapy because, you know, you saw a tweet you didn't like. And then Elon Musk takes over and he says, we're not going to put up with this anymore. This is why the company is hemorrhaging money. And Twitter is a great example. Twitter is a great example of what happens when you put very little effort into something, but because you have so much financial and political backing to what you're doing because you're blocking, banning, censoring, and canceling political opposition. So those that want to censor that particular political opposition, they're going to finance, fund, and protect what you do. So you can basically be a bum. You can basically take from the company, take from the investors, and then use your job to advance your political ideology to advance your radical ideology. Uh, And that, Musk says, is wrong. So we're going to change things. And you saw how people reacted to this. So angry, so upset. Oh, there needs to be a federal investigation of why he would want people to be able to speak freely. There needs to be an investigation of Musk. He said things that are wrong, like He opened up a business in California against the health measures that were implemented by the state, largely as recommendations. He said things about COVID that we can't confirm are true from the CDC or the World Health Organization. He needs to be investigated. You know, prior to that, you know, before Musk said, I'm not going to be a Democrat anymore, I thought Musk was doing good things, right? I thought he was building the electric cars, And he was trying to save the environment. And now people just don't like him. So what exactly has he done at Twitter to make people so upset? Well, he's told staff that they're going to probably have to pay for their lunch now. He's told staff that you're going to have to show up to work. And you're going to actually have to work. You can't work from home. Because things don't get done. And you don't work as long. And you don't work as hard. And why are we paying you to sit at home in your underwear and to work remotely on a computer, that's not going to happen. Get back into work or you can take severance pay, which is very generous. I mean, I if I took severance pay from Twitter, I wouldn't have to work for a year under the amount of money I earn now. Uh, severance pay is pretty good at Twitter, apparently. And that's kind of that's kind of the point I'm getting at. Like the, the severance pay from Twitter is in the, in the benefits. It's it's better than what I make working full time on radio for a whole year, putting all my energy all the, all the effort I put into this, I make hardly any money, but I love doing what I'm doing. Um, we just make money off books, subscriptions, and a few people that listen to the show uh, after it airs. So you know, the monetized ads through whatever the Spreaker posts. So like if I was getting a, if I was losing my job at Twitter, I would be making more and have more benefits than I do right now working full time, uh, basically seven days a week because I'm always looking for things, but five days a week with the show. And that should really put things into perspective. And it does for me. It puts things into perspective. I mean, you, it, it, I just I can't believe when I'm watching people complain because they have to pay for lunch. Oh, we don't get free lunch anymore. We can't censor people we don't like anymore. Like, what is, what is going on in the world? 
And, and you think about Thanksgiving and, you know, I, I, I was thinking of a name for the show and I thought, you know, I don't know, the bird, Thanksgiving, flipping the bird, flipping the Twitter bird. I don't know. So I was just playing around with names and I thought, you know what, that would it'd be such a good idea to talk about Twitter on Thanksgiving, the Thanksgiving week, because talk about people that are so disconnected from reality, that are so ungrateful, so unthankful. Uh, you make all this money, you have all this power, and that's really the reason that people at Twitter are really angry and they're really upset because they're losing their monopoly on reality. They're losing their monopoly on censorship. They're losing their monopoly on deciding who can speak and who not, who cannot speak. They're losing their monopoly on doing all that while still making a lot of money and doing it mostly and largely at home or remotely where traditionally people don't put as much effort in. I agree with Elon Musk. If I had people working for me in a company like this, I would not want people working at home. You get your ass into the office and you do your job or you're fired. And that's how you become successful. You don't become successful in your underwear at home working one hour a day as some of these employees reportedly were doing. I read a report one hour a day they were working and they were making the full paycheck. That's not very fair. That's not very inclusive. That's not very equal. You know, it's, it's the entitlement uh, of, of these kinds of people exemplify the problem with entitlement we have in our society. You think people should just give you, give you, give you, but then you're still going to exercise monopoly power over reality. So I think we should be thankful. We should be thankful for what we have, certainly, but we should be thankful for things we don't realize we have. We should be thankful for our ability to be able to speak freely. We should be able to recognize that we have it really good as Americans in particular. We should recognize that we have things that some people can't imagine. We take for granted. We take running water for granted. We take air conditioner for granted. Even most Europeans don't have air conditioners. You know, and I, I hope that you can see that there are a lot of things that when, when we think about them, we, we should be able to recognize that we have, we have things we take for granted and we have things that we should be much more grateful for. And when you look at the Twitter layoffs and the complaining and the bitching and the whining and the moaning uh, about losing monopoly power and being paid to basically not do your job, I mean, that just exemplifies a Sodom and Gomorrah-like attitude. It's just debauchery and chaos. And people being paid obscene amounts of money to work one hour a day to censor people that the government doesn't like. And that is just to that's so absurd, it's laughable. So tonight on The Secret Teachings, it is, uh, well, it's the, the Twitter bird is, you know, our Thanksgiving feast. We're going to feast on the philosophy of this tonight right here on The Secret Teachings. I'm Ryan Gable. If you'd like to contact us, rdgable at yahoo.com, tstradio at protonmail.com www.thesecretteachings.info is the website. Find us on Twitter at TST underscore underscore radio and on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash the secret teachings or search the show name on any radio or podcast player. And please leave us a review. If you do that, it really helps to support the show. Please share the show on your social media page or anywhere that you talk and communicate with people, email or tell people in person, uh, word of mouth. I'd really appreciate it. The Secret Teachings. I'm Ryan Gable. More after this. Don't go anywhere.
The Secret Teachings Radio Show is on Facebook and Twitter. Just search facebook.com forward slash The Secret Teachings to like us and TST underscore underscore radio to tweet with us. If you enjoy The Secret Teachings and want to hold years of Ryan's research in your hands, visit the website and grab a physical and digital copy of Ryan's books. Occult Arcana will introduce you to sacred myths, folklore, magic, and alchemy. The technological elixir will take you from transhumanism and AI to black goo and UFOs. Food philosophy will change your mind about what we call food, germ theory, and geoengineering. And remember, shipping is always included. Some restrictions exist for international. Visit thesecretteachings.info. From Ground Zero to the Secret Teachings. Keep your dial tuned to Ground Zero Radio. If you'd like to hear more of the Secret Teachings, if you missed a show or part of a show, sign up to the ever-expanding archive at thesecretteachings.info. When you subscribe for a month or a year, you get access to the full show archive to every show after it airs. You can download and stream unlimited episodes and share your login with friends or family. With your subscription, you can also get access on the website to all of Ryan's digital books and the ever-growing montage archive. Just visit thesecretteachings.info and click on the Donate Subscribe tab at the top of the page. Use the secure PayPal link and start your membership today. By subscribing, you support The Secret Teachings, Ryan, and yourself. This is one of the best discussions I've been on in a long time. You guys are right on it. Howdy, this is Joe Mars, and you're listening to The Secret Teachings. If anyone can hear this broadcast, I'm still on Earth. This is the frequency of Ground Zero Radio, Ground Zero with Clyde Lewis, and The Secret Teachings with myself, Brian Gable. A couple of months ago, I went into a symbol dictionary and I went through the dictionary and I tried to find any kind of reference to the Twitter logo. Just a blue bird, I thought probably won't find anything specific, but then I did. I actually found in a symbol dictionary the definition of what a blue bird represents. Now, if you just have a bird, a bird represents thought, imagination, perhaps even the soul and the spirit in Egypt. Uh, it represents uh, sublimation, synthesis. It's called the Ba, the B-A, the soul in Egypt. And um, part of the uh, various parts of, one of the, one part of various parts of the soul uh, and the spirit. But a bluebird in particular is a representation of pure idea. That's at least according to my symbol dictionary. Since imagination, thought, and ideas are expressed um, as a bird, uh, then it is the soul's expression, essentially, that is trapped in this digital sphere that we call the Twitterverse. In other words, it is our ideas, it is our thoughts, it is our imagination, it is our consciousness that is represented by the Twitter logo, literally, by what a symbol dictionary says. So since... The blue bird represents our thoughts and our ideas and our imagination and our, our soul, basically. Then this expression of ourself is trapped in this digital sphere. I also did a little bit of research because I was interested. I was trying to figure out months ago what, if anything, the Tesla T 
could mean. If it has a deeper meaning because of the red color, it's just a T. It represents Tesla, right? Well, the T of Tesla is also a Tau cross, T-A-U, a Tau cross. It is also a symbol of synthesis. It's a symbol of perfection. And it is a symbol of the human being and a symbol of the belly. This is what a symbol dictionary says. I find that interesting, that the Tesla logo is a symbol of synthesis and the Twitter logo is also a symbol of synthesis. I find that interesting. Synthesis is the combination of ideas to form a theory or a system. And that might have no other relevancy except for the fact that companies like Tesla, companies like Twitter now because Elon Musk owns them, companies like Neuralink, companies like Starlink are based on synthesis. The combination of ideas to form a new system In April of this year, April 21st, 2022, Tesla announced that their Optimus robot with updated AI would be very, very soon ready for the public to see. And then they did unveil that robot. They're still updating the AI, though. On the 24th, this was three days later, Elon Musk confirmed that Neuralink, this is the brain-computer interface, would begin human trials later this year. So Optimus is ready soon. Neuralink is ready soon. And then on the 25th, the very next day, and the day of Twitter's original sale to Elon Musk, Starlink, which is the Earth to Sky or Earth to Heaven interface, Starlink went active with a major airline. So let's try to put that into perspective. The Optimus robot, they say, is very soon to be ready and to be demonstratable as a working machine with advanced AI. The Neuralink system is very soon to be ready for human trials. And the Starlink system has gone active as of April of this year, 2022. So with those three things in mind, and knowing that Musk bought Twitter that same week that all of this was happening... And then when you look at both the Tesla logo, which is building Optimus, the red T with those curved edges is a Tau cross, or it is the cross of Yahweh in some uh, traditions. It has a lot of other meaning as well, but it's a Tau cross. And the Tau cross is a symbol, as I said, of synthesis. And I don't think it's coincidental that as Elon Musk buys Twitter... And these are simple definitions, like first-rate definitions in a dictionary. If you look up a Tau cross, most dictionaries, I've got several symbol dictionaries, and they all say Tau cross represents synthesis. It represents perfection in Hebrew. Yahweh is perfection, right? So what does the blue bird represent? I didn't think I was going to find anything about a blue bird in a symbol dictionary. That's really specific. I thought I'd find bird and I find the color blue and kind of merge them together in a synthesis. Well, it turns out I have a symbol dictionary that literally has a section talking about birds. And it says a blue bird represents thought, imagination, and synthesis. And we know in Egypt, the bird was the soul, the ba. And a blue bird in particular 
is a representation of pure ideas. And what are pure ideas? Think about it for a second. What is a pure idea? It's the same thing that the Egyptians used the bird to represent. It's the soul. It's consciousness. Pure ideas are the soul, the spirit. They are pure consciousness. So the blue bird, the Twitter logo, represents soul and consciousness. And not only that, but the blue bird represents synthesis, as does the red T of Tesla. Now, I don't think that whoever designed the T logo, not much to design, but whoever designed the T logo and made it red, you know, they said it has something to do with the design of the engine. I believe that it does. I don't think that it's a conspiracy. I don't think it's some secret society. What I think it is, is synchronicity. What I think it is, is the green coating of the matrix. What I think it is, is a red T and a blue bird, both in a symbol dictionary as a first rate definition represent synthesis. And synthesis is the combination of ideas to form a theory or system. And when you combine together what Tesla is building, the robot, and you combine together that with Neuralink, which is the brain-computer interface, and Starlink, which is the Earth-to-Heavens interface, and then combine all that together with all that data from Twitter, and what do you have? You have the combination of the brain, the computer, the heavens, the Earth, the robot, and where, where is all of this energy coming from to finance this, to fund all this? Not financially, I mean energetically. It's coming from you. It's combining your consciousness, your thoughts, and your ideas into a system that will then power the robot, that will then power this artificial synthetic reality that Samsung calls 6G, or extended immersive reality with holographic projections. This is what they say in their own paper. And they call the realities um, that exist in this artificial uh, sub-reality, this synthetic digital world, they call them replicas, like, like the movie, right? Like uh, Blade Runner. They call them replicas of, um, basically like Blade Runner, replicas of people, places, and events. In other words, you're going to be able to find uh, buildings. You're going to be able to find people. You're going to be able to experience things that are replications of the real world. That is quite literally the Matrix movie, right? So this is where I find Elon Musk to be disingenuous. I think he thinks robotically. I think the guy's a genius, and I think that Elon Musk does care about free speech. But this is where I start to get a little bit concerned. They announce Optimus, they announce Neuralink, they announce Starlink the week that Musk buys Twitter originally. And you look at the Twitter logo, and it represents the soul and the spirit, it represents pure ideas, it represents consciousness. And it represents synthesis, the bringing together of ideas, conversation, debate. That's part of what free speech is really all about. It's synthesis. 
come up with new ideas, new, new views, new perspectives, solutions to problems that work. And then you look at the red cross of the Tesla company, and you get a symbol that literally, in a symbol dictionary, represents synthesis. So when you combine the robot with the Twitter logo and the Tesla logo and the Neuralink and the Starlink and you put it all together and you look at the reason Musk bought Twitter, in my opinion, it's because he wants the data, then that feeds into all these systems and you get a combination of ideas that form a new, by the definition of synthesis, a new theory or a new system. And that system is an artificial system. This is what I see Twitter and Tesla and Neuralink and Starlink are all about. It's about synthesizing. It's about merging man with machine. And I think that's why Elon Musk believes in free speech. I think that's why Elon Musk wants you to be able to speak freely on the Twitter platform. Now, there's a human there, too. Elon Musk is a human. So there are certain things that, you know, I can't figure out why he thinks or says or does the things he does. He's a billionaire. He's extremely uh, intelligent, so he's eccentric. But on the surface, there are a lot of things that are really, really, I feel, easy to see esoterically. It's through synthesis, man and machine, that technocrats believe perfection can be achieved. Through the human body, taking the human body and transforming it, molding it, shaping it. It's interesting that there is a, a definition in a symbol dictionary that says the, um, the belly is a uh, definition or a, a representation, if you will of the Red Cross. The Red Cross in Greek is known as the belly. And so, you know, the belly or the womb in the same vicinity, in other words, through synthesis, man and machine, perfection can be achieved through the human body by a process of transformation that occurs in the belly or the womb. Merging active and passive forces generates a spark this is the synthesis, generates a spark or electric bolt, Tesla, electric car, to spawn new life. A red cross is also rebirth and a gateway to somewhere or something else. In other words, merging man with machines and accomplishing such ends through artificial intelligence and algorithms that are able to learn from the immense amount of data generated by individuals in order to create digital replicas of the real world. And the infrastructure is connecting Starlink, Neuralink, the brain-computer interface, pumping data into the AI of the Optimus robots. Man and synthetics merge together into the belly of transformation in order to reach the synthesis of perfection. That's what I think Elon Musk is doing. And that's where I think everybody gets Twitter wrong. I think everybody gets... Elon Musk, Twitter, and all of his companies wrong. You know, people want to fight over the politics of it. Elon Musk was a hero making electric cars to save the earth until he said, I just can't vote for Democrats anymore. Suddenly, everybody turns on him. 
just like Donald Trump can do whatever he wants until he runs for president, then everybody suddenly hates him. Elon Musk, because I believe in free speech, I'm going to buy Twitter. I'm going to turn it into a free speech platform. People panic. People cry. Listen to these, these lines from a New York Times article. I was reading this before the show, and I was, because I'm looking for some perspective this Thanksgiving uh, on what it is that I have and what I'm thankful for. And I thought these, these drooling brats at Twitter that didn't have to pay for their food, that got to work in some cases an hour a day at home and get paid in full, didn't have to dress nicely and have self-respect. And it would be one thing if you're working out of your garage. It's another thing you're working for the biggest, one of the biggest companies in the world, the biggest social media platform in the world that literally can change the course of political conversation and change the course of, course of a nation. Um, and you're not even going to take care of yourself and you're going to get upset someone wants you to pay for your lunch. This is a bunch of brats. And I'm reading the, uh, the things that were happening at Twitter and I remember people were crying. People were hugging each other. Here's what the New York Times said. Others cried and hugged one another. Not just when they found out people were going to be fired, but when they found out Musk was buying Twitter. People had crying episodes. They, they, they began to throw fits. Some people yelled. Some people screamed. It's like, What? You know, does that, I mean, people might get upset if they get fired at any other business, but is that a common thing? You know, when a, when a company lays people off, I'm sure people might cry if they can't afford to pay their bills and they're getting laid off because they can't, they're getting laid off. They can't afford to pay their bills. I'm sure people get upset. You know, I was let go from a small business I worked at and I was upset, but I I was upset because of the financial situation. These people, most of them, not all of them, I can't speak for all these Twitter employees, but I know for sure a lot of these people are only upset because they are losing their monopoly on controlling the flow of information. That should show you where we are as a country. People that get paid immense amounts of money to do very little work, but the work they're doing is benefiting the most powerful. And so as a result of that power being taken away, they cry and they throw fits that are worse than a toddler. Listen to this from the New York Times. The fallout has often been excruciating, according to 36 current and former Twitter employees and people close to the company, as well as internal documents and workplace chat logs. Some top executives were summarily fired by email. It's as if that's never been done before. You might not agree with what Elon Musk is doing, but one engineer who was a manager, upon being told to cut hundreds of workers, quote, vomited into a trash can. Others slept in their office as they worked grueling schedules. You know, that might sound harsh because of the way that it's written, but put that into perspective. If some people were working one hour a day at home, some people, I've read all kinds of reports, I have no idea what the consistency was at this place, but, uh, Reportedly, people were working like four to five hour days. Okay, so if Elon Musk says, I'm going to need you to work eight hours to someone who's only working four to five hours a day, maybe four days a week, and they're wearing socks and sandals to work and everything's paid for and they've never really had to have a real job in their life, that would be, you'd think, 
considered a grueling schedule. And that's something that we see. We see that uh, generally in society. They call it quiet quitting. I can't work 40 hours a week. Okay. Now the average is like most people work part-time jobs, like 30 hours a week. That's too much. 20 hours a week is too much for some people. It's like, what, 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 do you, what do you want to happen here? You want to just be, and that's the general consensus of the youth. There's, we have wealth, so just pay me, and I'll work very little, if at all, and then you know I'll be happy, which money clearly doesn't make you happy. What makes you happy is being productive, whether you're working a job you like or don't like, making something, building something, creating something, I don't know. So you're unhappy working more than, you know, 20, 30 hours a week, right? And a lot of people are unhappy working 40 hours a week. It's because they have jobs they don't like. And a lot of businesses certainly don't take care of their employees. But I mean, you're working at a company like Twitter. You're being paid a lot of money. You're not working at Target. You're being paid a lot of money on average. You get to wear whatever you want to work on average. If you even come into work, you get to work very little hours. And then when Musk says, I'm going to need you to work a full day, these ungrateful whining brats say that these are grueling schedules and one engineer vomited into a trash can. Why did he vomit into a trash can? He must have a soul. He was told to cut hundreds of workers. And I think when I read that, I think I, I almost vomited into a trash can. I thought, really? Is this, I read a New York Times article in a while, but is this what the New York Times is, is, is how they're trying to paint Elon Musk, he's making engineers vomit into trash cans. He's telling people to cut jobs. And I thought, but wait a minute. Wait a minute. These engineering managers and these people that work at Twitter, none of them are vomited in trash cans when they're told or when they themselves demand that politicians are censored on Twitter to prevent them from speaking freely when celebrities who otherwise we would listen to because we're told to listen to them have a different opinion, they get shadow banned, canceled, and censored. These engineers have no issue censoring politicians, celebrities, and everyday average people for expressing their free speech on a platform, even if they've only got a couple hundred followers and they only follow a couple hundred people and they don't really have much of an influence. They don't have any issue doing that. It's just when they're told to cut the crust off of the sandwich and fire the useless people that they've hired to basically be bots and sock puppets for what amounts to um, the state that then, then they vomit into a trash can. Nobody's vomiting into a trash can because they're censoring people's ability to speak and publish freely. They're just vomiting into a trash can because they're losing their power and authority and their monopoly over information. That makes me want to vomit into a trash can grueling schedules. I mean, what, what, what is a grueling schedule? You ask most people, it's not even 40 hours a week anymore. Adults do that because that's what they have to do to get by. Brats work 20 hours a week, have things paid for, for them, or they work a super part-time job, maybe 12 to 15 hours a week and go to college. And they complain that it's a grueling schedule if they're asked to work a little bit more. I remember reading, I think it was the, my God, I want to say it was the World Health Organization. I did a show on this a couple of years ago. In fact, maybe I can find it again. They said something like 
uh, burnout syndrome. Burnout syndrome was affecting people at a, at a super high rate. And burnout syndrome is you just, you just can't work anymore. Yeah, here it is. This is from 2019. Burnout, an occupational phenomenon, international classification of disease. Burnout syndrome is a disease now. Do you know that? It's defined in ICD-11 as International Classification of Disease 11. Burnout syndrome It is a condition conceptualized as resulting from chronic workplace stress that has not been successfully managed. It's characterized by three dimensions, feelings of energy depletion or exhaustion, increased mental distance from one's job or feelings of negative. I love this negativism or cynicism related to one's job and reduced professional efficacy. And I remember when I first talked about this back in 2019, I said, well, you know, a lot of people are tired and exhausted because they don't get enough sleep. So you're telling me that if I don't get enough sleep, if I just go drink or if I stay up late watching TV, you know, or I stare at a computer screen or a phone screen until four in the morning and then fall asleep, wake up at seven, oh, I didn't get enough sleep and I go to work and I'm too exhausted to do this job. That means that I have burnout syndrome. No, it means you didn't sleep enough. <laughs> and that's, that's the international classification is if you, if you don't have enough energy, because you don't eat right and you don't sleep enough, which I, ma- I imagine if you ate right and you slept more, that most of the feelings of energy depletion would just be eliminated. I'm not saying people don't have hard jobs. Of course, people have hard jobs. I'm not saying people don't work more than 40 hours a week. People do. But that one, we're not talking about people that work 40 hours a week. We're talking largely about people that barely work 20 hours a week. People that want to collect universal basic income in Palm Springs or San Francisco by telling the city they're trans so the city can boast their trans numbers while paying with taxpayer money those people to sit on their ass and do nothing. We're talking about those kinds of people. People that don't actually want to work. People that don't want to contribute to society, but they want society to contribute to them. And that's the problem. Entitlement. Thinking that everybody owes you something. Now, I know most of you understand that. I know most of you agree uh, with the general Uh, theme of where I'm coming from here. So when you look at what's happening at Twitter, asking somebody to work more than five hours a day, which is reportedly what some of the people were working, is considered grueling. (laughs) And because someone was told to fire employees, oh, it's, it's, it's enough to make them vomit into a trash can. Also this, Twitter executives have suggested, this was a few weeks ago, assessing the lists of people that were going to be fired for diversity and inclusion issues so the cuts would not hit people of color disproportionately and to avoid legal trouble. Listen, the people of color working at Twitter have more privilege and make more money than I ever will. And no matter how many people of color you fire alongside of people who have no color, apparently, which are white people, which is ironic because black isn't a color. White is a color. It's all the colors. So you see how they've manipulated language just with that. But we'll go with the term black. So don't fire black people, Mr. Musk. That could get you into legal trouble. Should get you into legal trouble if you're firing people who are doing useless jobs. It doesn't matter if they're black, if they're Indian, if they're white. It doesn't matter if they're a Christian or a Muslim or a Jew or a Buddhist. 
if they're doing a job that doesn't need to be done anymore, then the owner of the company, the manager, should be able to get rid of that person without facing legal repercussions. You're doing a job that doesn't need to be done anymore. We're moving in a different direction. Goodbye. Should not be a matter of racial, uh, a racial question. So because Elon Musk is getting rid of people that they don't need anymore because most of them have been useless to begin with, they're just arbiters of reality, they call Elon Musk and his team goons. <laughs> the entitlement of these people is unbelievable. Uh, and, and it's Thanksgiving week, so let's be thankful for what we have and try to put the world into perspective. That's what we're doing tonight on The Secret Teachings. I'm Ryan Gable. This is The Secret Teachings. www.thesecretteachings.info rdgable at yahoo.com tst radio at protonmail.com those are the two emails stay with us another hour coming up after this don't go anywhere you are listening to the secret teachings to contact the show to share information and your opinion or give recommendations email rdgable at yahoo.com visit the facebook page facebook.com forward slash the secret teachings or visit the website at www.thesecretteachings.info if you're looking for a great gift that keeps on giving this year check out one of my four books for the holiday season occult arcana is a monumental collection of esoteric and occult lore the technological elixir looks at ufos demonology in the music industry and the soul and spirit in relation to modern technology Liberty Shrugged, my new book, takes you on a historical journey through the concepts of natural liberty and provides a different angle on the American Revolution. Food Philosophy explores food industry propaganda, advertising tricks, and geoengineering. Get all four books only at thesecretteachings.info in softcover or digital. That's thesecretteachings.info. If you'd like to hear more of The Secret Teachings, if you missed a show or part of a show, sign up to the ever-expanding archive at thesecretteachings.info. When you subscribe for a month or a year, you get access to the full show archive to every show after it airs. You can download and stream unlimited episodes and share your login with friends or family. With your subscription, you can also get access on the website to all of Ryan's digital books and the ever-growing montage archive. Just visit thesecretteachings.info and click on the Donate Subscribe tab at the top of the page. Use the secure PayPal link and start your membership today. By subscribing, you support The Secret Teachings, Ryan, and yourself. People ask me all the time what they can do to take control of their lives when facing a daily onslaught of dis- and misinformation. I say take control of your body and mind with water filtration. Visit www.thesecretteachings.info and click on our affiliate sponsor link with Pro One Water Filters at the top of the page to search for a water filter for the home, camping trip, and even the shower. They filter countless contaminants and make a wonderful gift for friends, family, and yourself. That's Pro One Water Filters at thesecretteachings.info. Hello. Folks, this is Jordan Maxwell, and you're listening to The Secret Teachings, excellent shows with your host, Ryan Gable. Think about your hero when you're at ground zero, and crawl up to the fall back to me. Attention, you are tuned into restricted airspace. Tune out immediately. This is the frequency of The Secret Teachings on Ground Zero Radio.
Hi everyone, this is Mark Passio, and you're listening to The Secret Teachings with Ryan Gable. You are tuned into The Secret Teachings Radio, airing five nights a week, Monday through Friday, 10 p.m. to midnight Pacific, right after Clyde Lewis and Ground Zero. Aftermath FM, the app, GroundZero.radio, the website. You can also listen, as most of you probably are, to the show in the Secret Teachings Archive if you just search on any radio or podcast player for the name of the show. You can listen and download the show that way for free. There are advertisements that our platform, Spreaker, puts into that show, so you want to get rid of those you can subscribe to the full archive it's $40 right now it's our Black Friday special $40 for the whole year all you do is donate $40 through PayPal or the cash app money sign Artie Gable and we will set up a yearly subscription for you make sure you email me though tstradio at protonmail.com or rdgable at yahoo.com to let me know that you've donated through uh, PayPal or cash app And uh, we do it archaically. We do it uh, antiquatedly, if you will. So let me know and uh, communicate with me. And we'll set up your account for the show on the website. Otherwise, our Twitter handle, TST underscore underscore radio, facebook.com forward slash the secret teachings. It is Thanksgiving week. Today is November 21st, 2022. I'm very grateful. I'm very thankful that I'm able to do this show and I'm grateful and thankful that Ground Zero dot radio allows us to do this show and that uh, you tune in and listen to the show. I really appreciate it because if it weren't for you, we'd have really no reason to do this. Uh, maybe just for uh, my own mental health because, you know, as a radio host, um, it's basically like seeing a therapist every night and I get to say things and talk about things that you know maybe uh, aren't as uh, relevant or interesting elsewhere. And, uh, you know, I actually got this advertisement on break, kind of the epitome of what I was talking about in the first hour. This says, feeling bored? You might have seen this before. Feeling bored? Just try to have some fun with your new AI best friend. Replica, with a K. Replica AI. And they have this little meme image, and it says, what do we want? Role play with Replica. Anything else? Get hot pics from her. Um, people understand that this is digital, right? I hope that they, they, they do. I mean, if you want to see like naked pictures or hot pictures of a, of a woman, just like you can get on the internet and do that. You don't need an AI best friend. Uh, this is, I mean, this is big in Japan. I guess it's getting big in the United States. You can get an artificial intelligent girlfriend. Woo. That sounds fun. Real hot. That'll really turn you on. Uh, and the reason I think that that's relevant to tonight's show is because, well, you have people that live in that reality. You have people that working at Twitter were living in a reality where they were being paid obscene amounts of money, working in some cases one hour a day at home, some people five hours a day, being paid this obscene amount of money. You had black people, white people, you have Indian people, you have men, you have women, you have gays, you have straights. I'm sure there are a lot of trans people at Twitter by statement, you know, you're not actually trans, but you just say you are. So you have a lot of diversity at Twitter. And when Elon Musk comes in to buy Twitter, 
he says, let me bring in some engineers from Tesla to look at the code. And very quickly, they recognized that most of the employees at Twitter were worthless. Not because of their gender or their race, but because it was just a company that could have been running on a lot less and then they were also losing money before Musk took over. And instead, they were paying all this money to employees and they get all this free stuff. But a lot of these people weren't even working. So Musk said, okay, we're going to cut a lot of the workforce. So about a week after closing the deal, Musk eliminated about half of the Twitter workforce. That's equivalent to 3,700 jobs. Now, when people get laid off, people lose their jobs. It's not something that, you know, we should celebrate, uh, right? It's not something that we should be happy about, right? People lost their jobs. That's unfortunate. But what were those jobs? You know, engineering, machine learning, oh, and content moderation. A lot of the jobs were in content moderation. So you had thousands of people working on machine learning and content moderation to decide what is acceptable content on Twitter. And that was being done through extremely polarized, extremely bigoted political lenses. Now, I'm not saying Elon Musk doesn't have his own political views. He does. He's not a Democrat anymore. I'm not saying Elon Musk doesn't have his own agenda I think he does. He wants an open platform so he can acquire the data to plug into his robot. Laying off thousands of people that are working to censor the platform, this is not something I feel bad about or I feel sorry for. Twitter employees, however, got really upset. So upset that according to one engineering manager when he was told to cut some of these workers who were doing jobs that were essentially in comparison with the overall necessity of the jobs needed to run the company, this engineering manager was told to cut hundreds of workers who were doing jobs that weren't that worthful. And he decided to, quote, vomit into a trash can. That's how bad it was. Other people, according to the New York Times, slept in their offices as they worked grueling schedules. Okay, I wonder what a grueling schedule is, though. Because reportedly, some people were working at home an hour, some people were working for five hours. So if you ask somebody, I'm, I'm going to need you to work eight hours, you know, that's a grueling schedule. I mean, when the World Health Organization says that if you go to work and you're just really tired, you probably have burnout syndrome. The WHO classifies burnout as a syndrome resulting from chronic workplace stress. Uh, These are the people that don't want to go to work. They're tired. And I think about that for just a second, and I come to the same conclusion every time. Maybe people are tired because on average, most people don't get enough sleep. Especially if you work at a company like Twitter, you're literally staring at a screen the entire day. And people like that, even people that don't work at a company like that, the average person is staring at a screen most of the day. This isn't even debatable. You stare at a screen all day, you're going to have a hard time going to sleep. That artificial light, 
you're going to have a really hard time going to bed. You're going to have a really hard time going to sleep. You're going to have a really hard time getting a good night's sleep. And you're going to have a really good, uh, hard time waking up and feeling refreshed. Your body can't tell whether it's daytime or it's nighttime. And it doesn't know how to regulate melatonin. It doesn't know how to do anything when you keep it in this artificial environment. So because you're using a screen or because you're not getting enough, enough sleep for other reasons, that's a syndrome now? No, that's just either intentionally poor decision-making or it's not realizing how important sleep is and just consistently living life like that. That's, it's not a condition. You make, you make these things up, you know? Yeah, the, the people make these things up. Oh, everybody's got a condition. Everybody's got an issue. It's a burnout syndrome at work. And, oh, people are quiet quitting because they don't like their jobs. It's, okay, I, 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 I'm, I'm, I'm with people when you say businesses generally don't care about their staff, their employees. I've worked plenty of places they don't care about their employees. I've also worked places they do care about their employees. And places where, you know, you have, like when I worked at a, at a co-op, uh, we got to take home, I worked in produce, we got to take home literally anything that was shrunken out. I mean, I, I took home hundreds of dollars worth of produce every single week from squash to watermelon, from greens to mushrooms to carrots, you, you name it. I took home hundreds of dollars. And although I wasn't paid a lot, it was like $13 an hour, you know, doing that part time. That's a lot of free food. And I always had to put that into perspective with the situation. It wasn't the best place to work because of some of the politics of the business, but I got a lot of free food. And I also got a $40 gift card every month or here's a 40, $50. And it was pretty lenient on what you could and couldn't do at work. Like those are, those are good things. And yet people complained about you know, not having enough trans people working there, literally. Don't call the police when someone robs the store because the person who robbed the store is black. True story. I mean, where are our priorities at? I experienced that kind of thing firsthand. I can't imagine what it's like at Twitter. In fact, Twitter executives told Elon Musk to assess the list of layoffs for diversity and inclusion issues because... We don't want to cut people of color disproportionately. As far as I'm concerned, if people of color are doing useless, worthless jobs, then they should lose their jobs, not because they're people of color, but because they're doing jobs that don't need to be done, that don't need to be paid for. You know, it doesn't make any sense. Everything's based on race and sex and gender. How about basing it on merit? How about basing it on who is willing to work the hardest? That's what builds a better world. Where do you think the wealth comes from anyway? Can somebody answer that question? Where do these people think the wealth comes from? Where do you think the money and the toys and the items come from that you want handed to you? I'm not speaking to you as an audience. I'm speaking through you. I'm speaking with you. Where do these people think that this stuff comes from? Do they just think it manifests like ballots at 4 a.m. out of nowhere? Maybe they're using the same conjuring techniques. It just manifests like in a world where everything is given to you, where everything is provided for you, you don't have any rights. You are completely dependent upon those that are giving you the food, those that are giving you the clothing. And because nobody's producing anything, 
and the quality of what is produced is so equivalent to garbage, what you end up with are low quality items that you get for free, but you still don't get to go out in the world and live the way that you thought you were going to get to live. Like you don't get all the free stuff and then still get to go and do what you want to do and buy the video games and, you know, and, 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 and go to a baseball game and things like that. You, you get to do what the government tells you to do. Where do you think the wealth comes from? It comes from people working and producing things. If you don't work and produce and want people to give you stuff, the wealth runs out really fast. This should not be a difficult thing to understand, especially for all the programmers and the mathematicians and the engineers and the geniuses that work at these social media companies. Now, the real reason that this engineer threw up into a trash can was not because he had to let employees go. He's not a moral person. None of these people are moral. If they were moral, they would not be censoring people based on political opinions or in some cases, just memes and jokes. They would not be censoring people because of the color of their skin. They wouldn't be censoring white people because they said something that, well, other white people didn't like. They wouldn't be censoring people like Jordan Peterson because he says something that is historically factual that Twitter doesn't like. I remember I read this story back in, I think it was 20, late 2020, early 2021. And um, I'm not a football fan, but I grew up in Tampa area. And when I heard Tom Brady was going to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, like, you know, once in a while I'd look at him like, that's interesting. One of the best quarterbacks ever playing in Tampa. You know, I wanted this to see what was happening. And I remember I saw this article about Tom Brady and how Tom Brady was going to a park in Tampa. And there was this guy at the park this for some reason made the news. This guy in the park that went up to Tom Brady, this weasel that went up to Tom Brady and said, Mr. Brady, you need to wear a mask in the park. And I remember the article, I'd have to find it again, but the article was like, he stood up to Tom Brady, who was refusing to acquiesce to the COVID protocol. And he told the all-star quarterback, you will put a mask on out in public in this park while you work out. And I just sat there reading that. And I thought, what, what is this garbage? It's some guy that is so pathetic and so weak and such a worthless worm goes and tells one of the most successful people in the world, you will put a mask on. I am superior to you. I have the full backing of the CDC. You will do what I tell you to do. That's the kind of thing you're dealing with at Twitter. People that feel as if their power only comes from censoring people, blocking people, banning people. And then on top of that, while they exercise this immense control over the political discourse of the country and decide what is true and what is untrue, nobody threw up in a trash can when they were doing that. Just when they were told you can't do this anymore, that's when people started throwing up in trash cans. They started hugging each other like they were being carted off to a death camp. They were exchanging numbers. The New York Times says exchanging numbers. And where do you live? And you, you didn't, these people didn't have each other's numbers and addresses before Elon Musk took over. You worked there for years. You, you just suddenly when you get fired, you're going to go around and pick up everybody's number. It's just it's so made up. It's so manufactured. It's so synthetic. It's so disgusting. It makes me want to throw up in a trash can. And for those of you who just joined us, I'm reading what the New York Times said. One engineering manager, upon being told to cut hundreds of workers, vomited into, into a trash can. 
What workers was he told to cut? Oh, I don't know. Let's see. Uh, Content moderators, machine learning people, you know, the ones that Musk is going to replace by hard workers from Tesla who wouldn't be employed there unless they were hard workers. I mean, why would you pay people to do subpar work? Some companies do do that. You know, Target does that. Walmart does that. Uh, Publix, the grocery store, which somehow is ranked the number two grocery store in the country behind Wegmans. I don't, Publix is not a good grocery store. That's a little pet peeve of mine. But Publix down in the South, Publix literally, this is not an offensive thing. Publix literally hires people who are retarded because they get, I'm assuming they get tax breaks on that or something. They get some kind of tax credit. Um, so they have retarded people that take your groceries out to your car. Um, I doubt Publix hires retarded people because they care about retarded people. They, they hire retarded people because they get a financial benefit from it. Because it, it surely doesn't benefit the customer when you have to try to converse with this person who can't, in most cases, speak to tell them what you want done with your groceries. Just, I'll do it myself. You know? It's nothing against the person who's mentally handicapped. It's just, I'd rather do it myself. I can do it quicker. I'm in a rush. Publix doesn't care about retarded people. You know, Twitter doesn't care about what's right and wrong as a company. If they did, they wouldn't have been doing what they were doing to begin with. That would, They wouldn't have invoked Elon Musk to buy the company in the first place. That's the irony. If you weren't censoring people, blocking people, banning people, etc., Musk probably wouldn't have bought Twitter to begin with. Although I maintain he bought it because he wants, you know, the data. Now, one engineering manager was approached by Musk's advisors, who Twitter employees call goons. And this is the second time, I'm guessing it's the same manager, this is the second time in the same article from the New York Times. Earlier at the beginning, it says, one engineering manager, upon being told to cut hundreds of workers, vomited into a trash can. (laughs) It's such a ridiculous story. One engineering manager was approached by Musk's advisors, and this is way later in the article, or goons, as Twitter employees call them. Oh, you mean the goons that bullied and harassed and targeted people on Twitter? That was part of their job because of people's political views or memes they shared or jokes that they posted? No, those are goons. Musk cleaning Twitter up, those aren't goons. Those are people that are trying to get the company running because they're businessmen, businesswomen. So the article says, One engineering manager was approached by Musk's advisors, or goons, with a list of hundreds of people he had to let go. He vomited into a trash can near his feet. I mean, just imagine that. Just, hey, you gotta let these people go. When does a manager ever vomit into a trash can because they had to let employees go? You know, even nice managers I've had, nice business owners I've had, places I've worked, no one's ever been so disgusted that they vomited. This is some of that Trump derangement nonsense, isn't it? The crying, the hugging, the hot chocolate, the puppy dogs. Literally, you read through this New York Times article, and they're just like, all the things the Twitter employees are doing, they're crying, they're hysterical, they're hugging one another, they're exchanging phone numbers. I'll never see you again. You know, I have to get your phone number. Why didn't you have the person's phone number before? Like, none of this stuff even makes any sense. People are vomiting in trash cans. People are working grueling eight-hour days. Oh, my God. And the irony is, some eight-hour days are more grueling than others. You know, if you work hard labor, that's a lot more grueling. If you do 
roofing in Arizona in the summer, that's a lot more grueling than sitting in, a, in a, an office playing on a phone all day, you know, writing code. That might be more mentally grueling. I don't know. I've never done either. But I would imagine that being a roofer in Arizona in the summer is pretty grueling to the body, working eight hours a day. But when you work five hours a day, as some employees were, four hours a day, one hour a day at home, and you get paid full full, uh, full payment, full uh, benefits, um, probably these are people that we can let go. They're not necessary to the function of the business. The reason I'm going on and on about this is because I want you to see the absolute nonsense and I want you to see the ungratefulness and the lack of perspective and context these people have. You have people that are making more money in severance than I make in a year on average. You have people that are making more in benefits than I make in a year through donations and through subscriptions, which is how we finance the secret teachings. And that's severance pay. That's they leave, not even working. You have people that are working there that are making a lot more. You have a diverse workforce. You have people working there that get to decide what direction the political conversation goes. That's why they're upset. Because they're losing their monopoly on power. Because they're losing their ability to be the arbiters of reality. And that's all that a lot of these people had. Just like the guy that told Tom Brady in the park, you got to wear a mask. You can't be outside by yourself. You got to wear a mask. And the media praised this guy in Tampa. No, he was a worm. He was below dirt. He was a worthless worm and a weasel who tried to bully somebody more successful than him because this person wasn't wearing a mask. And that's what needs to be said. You act like that. You are a weasel. You are a worm. No offense to weasels or worms. We got to start saying what is true. We got to start saying what people are acting like. These Twitter employees are babies. No offense to babies. They, they're actually, they're not babies. They're lower than dirt. They're entitled brats that get paid an immense amount of money to control the political conversation and to hold a monopoly on power. And when they're told you can't do that anymore, you're laid off, they vomit into trash cans. And they claim that the people who laid them off are goons. That in some cases, you read articles all over the internet, Elon Musk is trying to censor Twitter employees by not letting them censor you. I mean, the psychological aspects of this are incredible. But I want you to think about all of this in relationship to where you live in America. These people that work at a place like Twitter are so ungrateful. They have no perspective, no context. They are so entitled. They are such whining brats. They are so disconnected from reality. They don't care about freedom of speech. They don't care about freedom of expression freedom of thought. They don't care about freedom of the press. They don't care about anything except the power and control that they get paid to exercise over others. And when you take that away, they explode into a hysterical fit of rage and anger and vomit into trash cans. Think about that in context with Thanksgiving week. What are you thankful for? Do you get a severance package 
for doing basically no work at Twitter? Do you get paid a bunch of money to just leave the business? No. You got to work all week through Thanksgiving, probably. And you're more grateful than these weasels are that have been fired. Good riddance to them. I don't care if they're black, white, Indian, purple, blue, or yellow. Good riddance to them. And I don't even think that Elon Musk is buying Twitter for free speech. I think he's buying it because free speech gives him a lot of data for his Optimus robot. I mean, Tesla announced that the Optimus robot was going to be ready on April 21st, 2022, sometime by the end of the year. And they did eventually, a couple months later, show you the robot. Uh, The AI is not ready yet, but they said the AI will be ready soon. And then the 24th of April, Musk confirmed Neuralink would begin trials later this year. And on the 25th of April, the day that Twitter officially sold to Musk the first time, uh, the initial selling, Starlink went active. So you've got brain-computer interfaces and Earth-heaven uh, interfaces, if you will, satellites, uh, connecting to the brain-computer interface. So the satellites connect to the Earth, to the computers, to the brain. And then you got the robot, the Optimus robot. And you put all this together... And it's a synthesis of biological uh, and digital things. And then you look at what, it's fascinating, the Twitter logo, the blue bird, is a symbol, if you look in a symbol dictionary, of synthesis. So is the red T of Tesla. It's a symbol of synthesis. Well, synthesis is the combination of ideas to form a new system. That's the artificial intelligence. And the physical structure of all of this, the Neuralink, the Starlink, the robot, that's the artificial body of the artificial intelligence. And the synthesis is the merging of these things together. In other words, man and machine to create a state of perfection and to create digital replicas of the real world people, places, and events as Samsung is doing. And what exactly does a bluebird represent beyond that, beyond synthesis? It represents pure thought, consciousness. Twitter is consciousness. But since you are limited in what you can express on Twitter to a certain number of characters, your consciousness is trapped in that Twitterverse, in that cage little bits and bytes of data that feed the AI system. So if you think I'm a big fan of Musk, I don't necessarily trust Musk for those reasons. I think we should be a lot more grateful and a lot more thankful for what we have. And I think we should be a lot more thankful that we have the ability to think along these lines to recognize that there's always more to the story. I'm Ryan Gable. This is The Secret Teachings. It's Monday, and there's a lot more after this in the final segment. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to The Secret Teachings. For more information on the show or to contact Ryan, visit thesecretteachings.info or email ryan at rdgable at yahoo.com. Hey, this is John Peasy at johnpeasy.com, and I'm here with Ryan Gable from The Secret Teachings. If you're looking for a great gift that keeps on giving this year, check out one of my four books for the holiday season. Occult Arcana is a monumental collection of esoteric and occult lore. The technological elixir looks at UFOs, demonology in the music industry, and the soul and spirit in relation to modern technology. Liberty Shrugged, my new book, takes you on a historical journey through the concepts of natural liberty and provides a different angle on the American Revolution. Food Philosophy explores food industry propaganda, 
advertising tricks, and geoengineering. Get all four books only at thesecretteachings.info in softcover or digital. That's thesecretteachings.info. You could listen to this. And again, you know, people say David has no evidence. David has no evidence. I hate this channel. Or you could listen to The Secret Teachings with myself, Ryan Gable, five nights a week on Ground Zero Radio. Join us to explore the outer limits of history, symbolism, parapolitics, and more. We'll explore a little bit of everything, but don't take my word for it. I'm kind of like you. I'm the last of a dying breed, a generalist. That's The Secret Teachings, five nights a week on Ground Zero Radio. This is Kev Baker of The Kev Baker Show, and you're listening to The Secret Teachings with Ryan Gable. Thanks, Ryan. This is David Knight with thedavidknightshow.com, and you're listening to The Secret Teaching. Broadcasting from somewhere between the normal and abnormal. A collection of question marks. No reason, no explanation. Just a prolonged nightmare in which fear, loneliness, and the unexplainable walk hand in hand through the shadows. It's The Secret Teachings on Ground Zero Radio. On Friday night, Elon Musk tweeted this, New Twitter policy is freedom of speech, but not freedom of reach. Negative hate tweets will be max deboosted and demonetized, so no ads or other revenue to Twitter. You won't find the tweet unless you specifically seek it out, which is no different from the rest of the internet. I was thinking when I read that, what exactly is Elon Musk's definition of a negative or hateful tweet? The second thing I thought of is, if this is the policy of Twitter, then despite what the news has told us, and despite what Twitter's ex and some current employees have said, all Elon Musk is doing is allowing people to speak but not allowing people to be hateful. And when you listen to the Twitter employees and you listen to the mainstream media, they tell you that the whole point of allowing Twitter to be a, quote, free speech platform is not really free speech. It's about letting hate spread. But the official policy is no hate, but you can speak. This shows you where Twitter, Twitter's employees, Twitter's management, this is where they were standing before Elon Musk bought the company. To them, hate was not a specific kind of, of statement, like, I hate you, you're disgusting, you're a piece of garbage, die. To Twitter, that wasn't necessarily hate. To Twitter, what hate is, is when someone expresses an opinion that they don't like. To Twitter, hate is when somebody says, I'm a proud heterosexual male. To Twitter, that's hateful. When Elon Musk says it's free, but we're not going to have hate, and the media says that's just a statement that's meant to make him seem as if he cares about free speech when what he really cares about is hate speech. It's actually quite the opposite, because what Twitter was doing is claiming that they cared about speech while censoring and blocking people, and they would censor and block people not based on hate as you would define it, as Musk would define it, spiteful, hateful, nasty stuff, they would only block and ban people that they considered to have different political views than them. To them, hate equaled oppositional views on issues that they had strong you know, disagreement with. 
Basically, hate is if you disagree with me. Twitter's policy is, you disagree with us, then you are a hateful person. And that's why people at Twitter, previous and current employees, have been so upset. Because now they can't decide what is reality and what is not reality to to a large extent. They can't always censor their political opposition. I mean, when you have someone who believes that everything their opposition says is hateful, then you've lost any kind of ground that might have put you on a perceptually moral uh, standing. You've lost any kind of relevancy. When you think that everything your opposition says or anything someone else says who isn't in 100% agreement with you is hate, you are the problem. You are the dangerous one. You are the issue. You are the censor. You are the fascist. This is what Twitter was comprised of and still to a large effect are comprised of. I've had people on Twitter threaten me. I've had like five people proudly calling themselves communists tell me that I have brain worms and I need to go to a concentration camp to get re-educated. I have screenshots of it. I reported those tweets. They don't really offend me, but I reported those tweets. Twitter said they found nothing wrong with the tweets. However, I shared a picture of Walt Disney um, and his original cartoons he made for Adolf Hitler that got censored. That got taken down. But if someone tells me I have brain worms and need to go to a concentration camp, Twitter didn't think it was necessary to take that person's account down, suspend them, or suspend the tweet. They left it up. So you can threaten to kill people only if you're, well, in that case, if you're a communist, then you can say whatever you want on Twitter because you abide by their ideology. Again, hate to these people is if you disagree with them. If you disagree with them, you're hateful. If you disagree with them, you're a fascist. All these words they use are not defined by a dictionary. They're defined by emotion. Disagree with me? Then your every name in the book. Racist, transphobic, and you're hateful, and you're a fascist, and you're all these other horrible things. Twitter employees are so upset. 3,700 plus have been let go. Some engineering managers vomited into trash cans, not because they were censoring people and preventing people from speaking freely, but because they were told to fire people who were censoring people and preventing them from speaking freely. Others have to work grueling schedules of eight hours a day. Oh my God. This shows you how ungrateful these people are. It shows you how obsessed and compulsive they are about controlling the flow of information about not having a monopoly on the flow of that information. And I think Twitter can give us a really good example. It can provide us with a really good example of what Thanksgiving is all about. When you're paid more in severance than I'm paid in a year, have some decency, have some perspective. When you're paid in severance, more than a lot of people make in that amount of time, three months of severance pay. You know, these people should have a little bit of, 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 they should be grateful. They should be thankful. 
But instead, they're upset because they're losing their power. Because they're losing worthless jobs that don't mean anything. All those jobs were, were to censor people that they didn't like. So we need to understand and we need to put this into perspective for ourselves. We need to recognize that a lot of people are entitled, ungrateful, etc. And that Thanksgiving, and not just our Thanksgiving here in the United States, but Thanksgiving, giving thanks, a thanks space giving, is giving thanks for what we have. Right? It's giving thanks for the things that we have, the things that we share, not just things, not just wealth or a house or food, but family and friends. Giving thanks for those things. That's what thanksgiving means. It's not even necessarily about feasting. Although originally giving thanks is giving thanks to earth for the feast. And it's older than agriculture because we give thanks to the gods, for the god- to the goddesses, to, you know, to uh, the divine or providing us with uh, you know the animal or you know whatever we found hunting and foraging etc people have gave, given thanks for thousands and thousands and thousands of years for different reasons and then in more recent times thanksgiving has become about agriculture it's become about feasting and also in the united states thanksgiving has become uh, a lot about um war. I'm not sure if anyone has ever uh, done a little bit of research on the origins of Thanksgiving, but Thanksgiving, our federal holiday Thanksgiving, is not really based on agriculture. It's not really based on pilgrims. It's not really based on, um, uh, you know, Indians, belt buckle hats and big bowls of mashed potatoes and things like that. Uh, Our Thanksgiving is based on uh, war. And it's based on things that you really wouldn't think have anything to do with Thanksgiving. And we can give thanks for a lot of things. We can give thanks for, um, you know, revolutionary war battles, civil war battles, winning those battles, the revolutionary war, the civil war, which is part of where our uh, celebration comes from. Our federal holiday is more so based on economics, right? It's based on economics. It's based on war. It's based on a lot of different things. So our Thanksgiving isn't necessarily even about feasting and food. It's about a history that we don't know much about. And we should be thankful that we have the ability to go into research and to figure out where does the origin of all this come from. Why do we celebrate what we celebrate? You know, are we thankful? Are we grateful for the things we have? Or are we going to act like the employees at Twitter who get paid a lot of money to exercise control over the political direction of the country while claiming that they hate Nazis and fascists while they act like the Stasi and the Gestapo and the Red Guards online? So our Thanksgiving has quite a bit to do with the Battle of Saratoga. It has, and I have a whole section on this in my book, Occult Arcana. It has a lot to do with economics and um, uh, the establishment of the country and the new constitution. Um, If you follow the history through a number of different presidents from Abraham Lincoln 
to Franklin Roosevelt, who wanted to make Thanksgiving a federal holiday. Um, they believed in everything from general blessing days, just a blessing of the earth and a blessing of the country, to FDR, who believed that you know the celebration should be moved to a time in which we could have a longer Christmas shopping season to spur economic growth. There's a lot of reasons behind you know, the things that we celebrate. I, I find them interesting. I find them quite fascinating. I also think that we need to recognize that what we celebrate and what we, what we hold dear to us can be taken away so quickly, not by death, but by, well, I don't know, in 2021, 2020, what, what did they tell you? They told you not to have your celebrations because of COVID-19, right? Don't have your get-togethers with your family. Don't have your, your, um, your holiday celebrations. How quickly was that taken away from people? Nobody enforced it, but because of brainwashing, because of incompetence, because of arrogance in media, at the CDC, in your own family. You know those family members who are arrogant and think they know everything because they watched CNN or because they listened to what the CDC told them. How many families were ripped apart and destroyed? You don't need to have a foreign country invade. You don't need to have total economic collapse to lose the abundance and lose the things that you, if you don't take them for granted, that's good. But if most of the time, things that you take for granted... I mean, a simple post in 2020 from the CDC about what you should do for Thanksgiving, a simple post ripped families apart. It wasn't even necessarily, you know, something that was was ever discussed as a policy that could be implemented. You can't force people to do these things. It was just a recommendation. What does the CDC recommend? Okay, I won't see my family. I won't eat this food, et cetera. They don't tell you anything about most of the food that you're eating and how most of it is filled with toxins and poisons and God knows what else that actually makes you sick. They just tell you, don't see your friends, don't see your family, eat your Thanksgiving dinner by yourself alone with nobody around. And that was done by recommendation. That wasn't done through mandate. That wasn't done through threats. That wasn't done through intimidation. That wasn't done through fear. That wasn't done through terrorism. That was done through a recommendation from the Centers for Disease Control. And because people were afraid, because people were terrorized, because people were traumatized, because people were deathly scared of getting sick or getting others sick, how many people didn't have that get-together? And how many people didn't have it again last year? This year, we're not being told the same thing. This year, we're being told that we should watch out, should be careful. The San Francisco Chronicle newspaper says, COVID experts say you should do these things. Get tested. Wear a mask to Thanksgiving dinner. Still, still we're telling people to do this. Get your vaccine before Thanksgiving dinner. It is outrageous and absurd, and so are these kinds of stories. Fortune magazine says, sick with a new Omicron variant? Be prepared for this symptom. You would think something bad is going to happen, but here's the new symptom. Are you ready? 
Are you prepared? The new symptom is, drum roll, fever. How is that a new symptom? This is Fortune Magazine. Sick with a new Omicron variant? Be prepared for this symptom. New study finds. The new symptom is fever. That's according to a journal of medical science. Serious journal of medical science. Mm. They have some other symptoms too. Cough. Oh, you cough. That's a symptom. These are new symptoms, they say. So be ready for them. Here are some other symptoms as well. Five unusual COVID symptoms. What are these unusual COVID symptoms? Hairy tongue. That sounds scary. What's a hairy tongue? Well, hairy tongue is something that you get when you smoke a lot. You take a lot of antibiotics. You have really poor hygiene. People that tend to do that also tend to have respiratory issues. So if you have respiratory issues, they say that's COVID. And then guess what happens? You get a hairy tongue. Oh, it's a symptom of COVID. No, it's a symptom of smoking, taking antibiotics, and having really poor hygiene. It's not a symptom of a disease. It's a symptom of, a, of, of, of an environment that you cultivated. Here's some more. Rashes, hair loss, and nerves. You can get rashes, hair loss, and nerves from watching too much television. Rashes, hair loss, and nerves are things that you get when you're terrified when you're afraid, when you're scared, when you're constantly terrorized by danger or the perception of danger. This is just like two days ago, these articles were published. New symptom, never before seen. It's a fever. Things that could happen to you, nerves, rashes, which... I mean, I get rashes on occasion. It's usually when I get really anxious about work and, and I get behind in what I'm doing and I get a little nervous and then I get rashes. Little tiny patches on my arm or something that go away. When I get control of my nerves, they go away. It's not COVID-19. But look how easily they took away the things that a lot of us were so ungrateful for that we never thought anything would change. You're always going to have Thanksgiving dinner. They took that away with a recommendation, not a gun, a recommendation not a gulag, a recommendation. And likewise, we should recognize, we should be thankful that we live in a country here in the States where despite the fact that these things have happened, we still have it so much better than most of the people around the world. We still have it so, 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 so much better. We have it so much better, so good, we don't even know how good we have it. We have it so good that we take it for granted. And it can be taken away so easily with a recommendation to not be human. With a recommendation to not have a culture and a tradition. And we should take what is happening at Twitter as an example of what we shouldn't be like. We shouldn't be ungrateful, entitled, arrogant pricks. You know, we shouldn't be arrogant thinking we have all the power. We shouldn't be entitled thinking somebody owes us something. You know, we shouldn't be um, ungrateful for what we have. And we should recognize that despite the situation, 
whatever the situation is that we're in, we still have things really good and we should be thankful for that. Now on to the reason, as I mentioned earlier, on to the reason why I think Elon Musk has purchased Twitter. If you've listened to the whole show, you've already heard this, but I want to recap this before the show's over tonight for those just joining us in the final segment. On April 21st this year, Tesla announced that the Optimus robot with updated AI would be ready very soon. Then they unveiled it. Now, the AI is not fully functional, fully ready, but it's close. Three days later, on the 24th of April this year, 2022, Elon Musk confirmed that Neuralink, that's the brain-computer interface, would begin human trials this year. On October 25th, that's a day later, and the same day as Twitter's official sale to Elon Musk, Starlink, that's the Earth i.e. the brain-computer interface and the Internet of Things and the body of things connected to the sky. Satellites. Starlink on the 25th went active with a major airline. In other words, Elon Musk's actions are not malicious, but coldly calculated, almost machine-like. If you look at the Tesla company, he brought the Tesla engineers into go through the Twitter code. Tesla's building the electric cars of the future that people liked until, well, he said he was for free speech. If you go and you look at a symbol dictionary, you take the red T that has something to do with the engine of the Tesla. I'm not an engineer. I'm not a car guy. Reportedly, the T, the way that it looks, has something to do with the design of the engine. I believe that. I don't think there's a conspiracy. But interestingly, The red T and the way that it's shaped is a red towel cross. And a red towel cross represents two things in a symbol dictionary. Perfection and synthesis. The towel cross to the Greeks was a symbol of the human being and the belly. Keep that in mind. The blue bird of Twitter likewise represents... Synthesis. A bird itself represents thought, imagination, and the soul in Egypt called the Ba, B-A. A blue bird in particular is a representation of pure ideas and synthesis. It's the synthesizing of different things coming together. It's an expression of the soul. It's an expression of consciousness. In other words, the red tea and the blue bird symbolize the synthesis of two things coming together. Consciousness, thought, imagination, all the energy you would need, all the data and the information you would need to transform an artificial thing into something living, to provide it with the spark of being. In other words, something machine-like, merging humans and machine through synthesis of these things, of this data, of these organic and synthetic structures, perfection can be achieved through the human body by a process of transformation that occurs in, well, the belly or the womb, gestation. When you merge together the active and passive forces, a spark of electricity ignites 
the new life. That's the orgasm or that's the, well, the electric car company Tesla. In other words, merging man with machine and accomplishing such ends through artificial intelligence and algorithms and collecting immense amounts of data where these algorithms and AI can learn from creating digital replicas of the real world where these AI and these algorithms can utilize as a base for creating their own reality. You are manufacturing a physical shell for an artificial consciousness to inhabit. The infrastructure of this is Starlink and Neuralink, the brain-computer interface, and the pumping of data into Optimus robots. Man and synthetics merge together in the belly of transformation in order to reach the synthesis, the combination of these things, in perfection. In other words, Elon Musk is a technocrat. He's a transhumanist. And he's using free speech to convince you, and maybe he does believe in free speech, to convince you to continue to participate. Participate in the dissemination and the sharing of information. Allow us to gather an immense, incomprehensible database to feed our synthetic intelligence and our synthetic systems. And in the process, you will be transformed. This is not what Elon Musk is saying or promising, but this is what the technology leads to. A transformation of man where synthesis is reached between man and machine in a state of, well, perfection, which is what the Teu cross of Tesla represents. It's a symbol of synthesis and of protection. And to the Greeks, it's a symbol of the human being and the belly, where these things gestate, these things come to life, and these things are born. Like the homunculus, like the changeling or the star child, the star seed, the little person, little homunculus. It's an alchemical ritual. It's an alchemical experiment. And that sense of, of perfection, that sense of, of unification with these different parts and components of machine and organic life, that is the ultimate goal. Based on Musk's actions, that seems to be his ultimate goal. That is the open, stated goal of transhumanists and technocrats. They want to merge man and machine. They want to build an artificial system, a physical artificial womb and body for a synthetic artificial consciousness to inhabit. And then that is connected to the Internet of Things and the body of things, which connects the brain to the computer, that's Neuralink, which connects everything on the ground to everything above, which is Starlink. And then it's run by the generals, the robots, which are the optimists that are fed from the information, from the data, from the energy, from the attention, from the currency of your brain and your, as the blue bird and birds in general signify and represent, your pure ideas, your soul, and your consciousness. And since you can't really express yourself very well in Twitter 
the way that things are, you have to limit your text to a certain amount. Musk has said he might expand that, more information, more data. But either way, you're limited in what you can say to a very small amount, which reduces the amount of clutter and makes it easier for the AI to learn and to grow. Reduces the amount of extra information. So you have to, when I put something on Twitter, I make sure that it's just the important points and I have to reduce what I say so it fits. That's what the machine learning needs. That's what the system needs to grow. So we need to be thankful that we can think on multiple levels. So we're not reduced to a conversation about this to politics and even to general discussions about what is free speech. We need to be thankful that we can recognize the layers of this. And maybe I'm the only person pointing this out. I doubt that I am. But if I am, I'm grateful that you're listening tonight. I'm grateful for a lot of things. I'm thankful for a lot of things. I'm thankful that we can recognize and see things and point this out to people that we know and help to change the conversation organically and help to preserve some avenue for the soul and for consciousness and for pure ideas outside of the digital sphere of Twitter, outside of the digital sphere of Facebook. I mean, we use those things to communicate, but in radio, you don't see me. I'm speaking through the microphone, through the board, It's coming through your phone, your tablet, your computer. It's all technology, right? It's all digital. I'm a real person. You can hopefully feel the intensity of my expression and what I intend to convey to you, what I'm truly thankful for and grateful for, including all of you, and see that we can preserve these things that are otherwise preserved in a digital form by speaking, by expressing ourselves, by being conscious by being aware, and by spreading, well, the blue bird, that is pure ideas and pure thoughts outside of the digital environment. And that's what I am thankful for here on The Secret Teachings. And I'm thankful for all of you. I'm also thankful that CNN has told us how to have a low-waste, climate-friendly Thanksgiving feast. They've told us there are a lot of things that we can do to help save the earth this Thanksgiving. Uh, less is more. Just don't have as much. Don't, don't eat as much. Don't buy as much. You know? I'm Ryan Gable. This is The Secret Teachings. Thank you so much for tuning into the broadcast this evening. rdgable at yahoo.com. That's rdgable at yahoo.com. TST Radio at protonmail.com. The, the, uh, the Secret Teachings airs Monday through Friday, 10 p.m. to midnight Pacific on Ground Zero Dot Radio. We don't have any financing or funding, so if you listen to the show for free on any radio or podcast player and you hear those advertisements, we get paid for that. If you want to support us otherwise, you can just simply go to the website, thesecretteachings.info, subscribe to the archive there. It's f- subscribe to the archive there. $40.00. For one year right now, it's a special deal. Donate $40 through PayPal or Cash App. Links all on the website. Thank you so much for listening. Stay safe, stay informed, stay healthy. Don't be afraid, be informed. 
the music tonight, White Bat Audio. And we'll talk to you on the next broadcast.